This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kind. John Locke of Freelock shares some of his tips on using a visual diff tool, and we talk more about build pipelines. So we started with one called Wraith, which was a Ruby tool built by the BBC, oh. an open source tool. Um, there were some adjustments. The big problem that we had with it is that it was using PhantomJS uh, to take the screenshots. And PhantomJS has been abandoned, and it's out of date. And using the, the modern CSS we're doing, it doesn't show you what it actually looks like on uh -huh. any current browser. And we were also starting to hit some JavaScript problems that PhantomJS couldn't handle. So uh, so we really wanted to switch to, to headless Chrome now that that's available. Okay. And there were some patches for Wraith, J Wraith to do this, but we couldn't get them working. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we ended up basically copying it and making our own JavaScript version uh, that does the same thing as, uh, as Wraith. Oh, right. Okay. So, so headless Chrome is how you drive the site and then... So there's a, a tool, a library called Puppeteer that Google has out there that's open source. We basically just wrapped that with a, a, a JavaScript uh, program that does the same thing that Wraith did. Oh, okay. And we use that now instead. Isn't that nice that open source tools or help uh, allows you to decide, do I want to take on, like, maintain this project or do I want to find a newer project that does most of the same thing and then I can maybe create a shim or, or, or some other library well, in it, case you updated Wraith, that sounds like. Exactly. One well, And Wraith provided some templates that we haven't bothered to update them, but for the actual reviewing the results, we took their templates and dropped them into our code. Okay. You know, that's the great thing about open source is you can do that. Right, right. <laughs> and, and we have it up in our GitHub, so other people can certainly oh, use cool. it. It's all public. It's called Visualify. That's oh, nice. what we called it. <laughs> Freelock has their contributions in GitHub in a repository called Freelock. <laughs> Definitely some improvements to be made in terms of the... We also use some JavaScript image comparison libraries, which turn out to be really slow. So one of the things that I want to do is, is replace that with image magic, which is written in C and so a whole lot faster. That's one thing we're seeing that slowed down. Huh. So. I'm speculating that eventually those kinds of like uh, machine learning is really good with this type of pattern recognition with visuals. Maybe maybe it'll move into a more closer to fully automated stream in the future sometime. That'd be a really interesting thing to pursue. I I don't. We have not touched on machine learning at all, and I. It would probably take quite a while for before I'd really trust something well, like that. But well, and the other part is be intriguing. That's not a big. Uh, so this is a good uh, conversation about bottlenecks at this point. It's not a big bottleneck in your in your pipeline. Your other your other bottlenecks are just getting the, the automated uh, headless test to execute fully. And uh, I don't know how long your the Behat uh, BDD tests take to execute. But uh, yeah, the two-minute thing wouldn't be the thing to focus on, even though you know you could imagine it sounds geeky and fun. Uh, so probably somebody else will do it, and then you could just you know incorporate that as needed. Well, and it's nice to have the opportunity for the client to review and sign off. But given how busy people are, we kind of take a proactive approach, and, and we've actually identified for every client a release policy 
uh, we've given them one if they haven't told us what they prefer. So it'll be things like release this, give me one day's notice, and release any time of day is kind of our base default. But we can a client can tell us, hey, you know, one of our clients has most of their traffic in the evenings, uh, so they prefer a weekday morning release, and we just put that in the policy. And when we've approved the tests and a release is ready to go, our bot will remind us of the policy for that that client, and then we set a time for the release to go out. And, and it will then notify the client, give them the release notes that we've now assembled. Yes. And it's added the, every git commit to the release notes and our release steps and, uh, and anything else we've added there, as well as any cases that are in our project management system set to ready for release. And sends them a nice notice, says this is going out here, let us know if you see anything or want us to not do that. And, and we're done. Everything's automated from there unless there are manual release steps. Cool. Nice. Yes, I do want to get to the bot. You covered all the, the uh, how many branches do you have again and the, and the roles. I think. So three long-running ones, okay. master, release, and develop. We never touch release uh, because that's driven by the bot. Um, master, sometimes we end up having to touch, but we've really restricted that. Uh, if somebody makes some changes on production, which some of our clients do, then we may need to pull those back to develop. So, sometimes, so we kind of restrict who can do that and, and check for those changes every night as well. This is interesting. I don't run into, I'm not, maybe this is a fairly common case, but I haven't heard of it because generally the whoever I'm, I'm working with is owning the, taking ownership of the full deal, but you're collaborating with uh, other development teams basically that you don't need or normally work with and having to react to changes that they might choose to make and yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we haven't. We've done some here and there all along, uh, but that seems to be growing in our business. Where having a solid deployment pipeline set up and really bringing some value to our clients, um, it really helps. We're we're actually starting to partner with agencies to provide that backbone where they have their own developers, they're in our chat rooms, they can run the deployment through our bot and we don't even really have to do anything unless something goes wrong, then we're available to help fix wow. fix things. So you have a build master sort of, sort of part of your business where you bring a pipeline into the organization. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's yeah. I, I feel like we have developed a pretty solid process for this. We're always looking at ways of improving it. So on our radar, doing blue green deployments. Blue green deployments are. So it's another way of going live with changes. Instead of having one production site, you have two, and then only one is live at a time, which means you have a spare where you can apply all the updates offline and then uh, went to go live, you switch it and make that, that one live so that the two are called blue and green. And, uh, and so you'd promote blue to production then and, and green then is, is offline. The, the big deal about that is if there is something that your test didn't catch and there's some, some issue that you have to roll back, rolling back is switching back to green. Because because it's one one version behind in this case, I guess. I mean, right until you're staging the next release. Okay, so blue green isn't like <clears throat> it's not. How do I say it? It's a it's redundancy in the form of an older version. One of them is always an older version. Is that right? Right. Oh, okay. Right. So yeah, you have two productions. You you update the one that's offline when you're ready to release, and you, it's another platform you can test on. But but it makes the actual deployment instant because you flip a switch and point at the other one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can leave the other one 
uh, as it is for days or however long you however long you need before the next release, mm-hmm. and you can switch back to it then if you need to. That's a can be problematic for things like e-commerce sites that are taking orders uh, because you you need to have ways of of capturing the actual data that is accumulating and have a relatively clean cut over there. So it brings a whole new set of problems to it. But it's an area we've been looking at because we've got more and more clients that are starting to reach those levels. Nice. What is the, so this is a, whenever we talk about build pipelines or whenever I talked about build pipelines and test automation, uh, I feel like it's always nice to like observe and think about, well, what is the fastest path through your pipeline as a theoretical limit of fast? So how fast is it from the, from the, uh, from the, would it take to check in a simple change that, and go through all of the test steps and then go to deploy. What's the theoretical, what's it say? Open throttle, what's the theoretical <laughs> open throttle for this? Well, it really depends on how many tests and how many how many URLs. Uh, for a moderately complicated site, probably two to three hours. Cool. In that range. So yeah, it's not something that we're doing every minute. We're not doing Google or Amazon release schedules. Um, but it's it's fairly it's fairly quick once you get it through there, and, and it's a it's I think it's a big improvement over what web develop, developers have typically done, which is basically no testing. <laughs> Let's put it on production. Oops, we <laughs> which is to instantly back it up. <laughs> fast, however hard to change your mind later. We also have, and that's for one site. And to get through our whole portfolio, if we're doing up updates, if there's an update that comes out that we're going to apply, we it takes us uh, right now uh, about two days to update all the sites that we manage with full testing and with all the backups so that's running 60 sites through the, the pipelines okay but uh, if there's a critical vulnerability and we can we also have another process or hotfix process which is also something that uh, Gitflow identified early on and with a hotfix you're branching off of master and then um, and then applying your fix right back to master, and then you pull it down to develop. So you're essentially bypassing the whole testing Mm -hmm. part of it. And in our case, what we're doing, because these are all different Git repos, is we're scripting that. So if there is an actual critical vulnerability that we want to get out across our entire portfolio fast, uh, what we will do is we will get the patch for what fixes the actual problem. Right? We have some canned scripts because we've done it enough time times that we can basically say, okay, apply this git commit, this patch set to the code, commit it, and um, and and push it back to master. So our hotfix process, once we have that script written, which takes half an hour typically when we've when we've seen it for a particular platform. Um, then our our bots and our our deployment will back everything up and tag it and deploy our patch and commit it and push it up and move on get across our entire infrastructure and all our clients in about four hours wow all right Agile Thoughts wants your help. However you find our show, be it through iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation systems, go ahead and leave us a review. Click some stars, and that will help us grow the show. Thank you.
Next episode, John tells us about the bots. That's our main bot that sits in all our chat rooms and um, get, lets us interact with the test systems, assembles the release notes for us, it uh, does other things like give us login links for the site.